from one of the Psalms, Psalm 127. Our focus this morning, as you can see from the liturgy sheet, is on our daily work. And certainly this psalm, Psalm 107, speaks very directly and profoundly about our daily work and our need for the Lord's blessing and protection in it. So let us read together Psalm 127. A Song of Ascents of Solomon Unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let's now turn to the New Testament and read the text for the preaching this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, the verses 5 through 9. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 5. And there the word of the Lord comes to us through his servant, the Apostle Paul, as follows. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear. And trembling with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether He is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. We respond to the proclamation of God's word by singing together Psalm 90, the stanzas 7 and 8. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, every week again, we're all quite busy. The adults among us have lots of different things to do. Some of those things need to be done in and around the house. There's all kinds of duties that are needed to keep the household going. 
There's also a lot of work that may, be, may need to be done outside of the home. At your office, the job site, out in the fields, wherever it is that your work takes you. It's not only the, the adults who are busy. Teenagers, they're busy too. Children, they're busy too. They have their work. We usually call that schoolwork. There are worksheets that have to be finished, tests that have to be studied for, projects that have to be handed in, research papers that have to be finalized, your teacher, your professor. It's a lot of work. Look, our children are busy people. And whether you are younger or whether you are older, whether a lot of your daily work keeps you around the house or outside of the house or in this school or that university or college, what the Holy Spirit is teaching us here in this text, brothers and sisters, that all of that daily activity, all of that daily busyness should be done as people who are redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the Apostle Paul is teaching us here when he addresses bondservants and also masters. But now, you may have a question right from the beginning. Can we really take what the Holy Spirit inspires the Apostle Paul to say here in this passage and apply it one for one directly to us today? Because we usually don't think of ourselves as bond servants or, as some translations have, slaves. And we don't usually think of ourselves as masters, do we? This is language that we know about, but we don't necessarily feel that it applies so directly to us. Or does it? Perhaps it's good to know a few things about what it was for bondservants and masters back in the days when the Apostle Paul first wrote these words. By the very fact that he calls them bondservants or slaves, it's clear that the first group of people that he addresses were not just free to pick up from their daily work and go and do some other kind of daily work if they decided to do that. No, they were bound. That's why they're called bond servants. These were servants or slaves who were bound to their master, and they had to serve and work for that master. They were not free one day to pick up and say, I really don't like working for this master anymore. I think I'll go to the next village over and see if I can find some other master to work for. It's not the way it worked. And for that reason, there is a difference. Because by and large, even though it may not always be easy, but those of us who are working for a certain employer, we could pick up and go to another employer if we so wanted. So there is a difference. But there are some other 
facts that we should know, which would help us to realize that even though there are some differences, there's a lot of similarities as well. For instance, at this time, about one-third, perhaps even as much as one-half of the population were bondservants or slaves. It's not as if they were just a very small group of people who were very oppressed. This was a very large group of the population. Another fact that's good to know is that often when we think of masters and slaves, we think of some of the history here in North America, and then back some years ago, it was predominantly one group, the white people, the Caucasians, who were masters, and the slaves often had darker skin, many of them from Africa. So there was a whole ethnic thing there as well, the white oppressing the black. Well, there were all kinds of different ethnic groups back then as well, but there were also all kinds of different people from all kinds of different backgrounds and countries who were bond servants. It was not so sharply ethnic as we might think from our North American history. Another thing that's good to know is that the bond servants did a very large variety of different kinds of work. Some of them, to be sure, did very hard, very manual, very exhausting work. For instance, working in the mines. But not all of them did. Some of them were in quite different positions. Some of them were household stewards. Some of them may even be in charge of a lot of the finances for their master. And so there was a whole range of different jobs and activities that bond servants would do. And that's very similar to us. All kinds of different jobs, all kinds of different daily work. Some of these bond servants had harsh masters. Masters who treated them very poorly. Some of them had good masters. Masters who treated them kindly and decently. And there too, there's overlap with today. Because some of us may work for people who are very kind, very generous, very considerate. Some others of us may work for people who are quite harsh, quite demanding, not always so understanding. So yes, brothers and sisters, in the way that society was arranged, there are differences between what it was for the church at Ephesus and what it is for the church at Elora. But when it comes down to what people were doing from day to day and, and the joys that that brought, but also the struggles and the challenges, it's probably a lot more in common than we might first think. And so let us hear the word of God this morning, more in depth on all of this. The theme for the preaching this morning is serve Christ in your daily work. Whatever that daily work may be, serve Christ. And let him rule then over the thoughts of your mind 
the attitude which is in your heart and the actions that your hands take. Brothers and sisters, every morning you get up and there a to-do list awaits you. The things that you need to accomplish that day, hour by hour. And if I would now ask you, for whom do you do all those things? Some of you might say, well, most of my daily work I, I do for my husband and our children. Taking care of the food preparation, the laundry, keeping the whole household going with all the different tasks that that involves, most of it's for my husband and our children. Others of you may say, well, most of my work, most of the things I do each day are for my teacher. He or she is the one who says, do this math worksheet, write this essay, and so I'm, I'm working for my teacher. That's what it feels like. Others of you may say, well, I work for my boss, of course. The company has a website. You can go there and you can see the name of the boss. That's the man I work for. Others of you may say, well, I'm self-employed. I'm my own boss. I work for me. And of course, at a common sense level, there's something true about that. But if you think about it more deeply, ultimately, there's something that's wrong about that answer. And that's what the Holy Spirit is teaching God's people, also us, here in this passage. Notice how he starts. Bondservants. Now, if you had asked any one of those bondservants, who's your master? Who do you work for? Well, he could give you the name just like that. It's so-and-so. But you notice how the Holy Spirit keeps speaking through the Apostle Paul, and in verse 6 he says, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ. That's who you work for. Jesus Christ. And actually, whether you're a bondservant, or even, verse 8, if you're a free man, and you don't have that bond to that master, you're both working for Jesus Christ. And in fact, even if you're a master. And you wouldn't naturally, common sense, you wouldn't think of yourself as being a servant, let alone a bondservant. But... Here is how the Spirit of Jesus Christ addresses masters. Do the same to them, stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master, bondservants of Christ, and yours is in heaven. You see, you have the same master. Whether you're bondservant, whether you're free, whether you're master, you're all bondservants in the deep and ultimate sense of Jesus Christ. That's who you work for. And that has to be clear and in the center of your thinking. 
You notice how the Apostle Paul here refers twice in this passage actually to knowing. Once in verse 8 for the bondservants, once in verse 9 for the masters. There's something here that you need to know. You may not know it from society. You may not know it just from the way things normally go. But this is what the Lord is teaching you. And so I ask you, brothers and sisters, when you get up in the morning, what starts to fill your mind? What are you thinking about? And you may say in answer, well, when I first get up in the morning, I'm, I'm not thinking about a whole lot. It's all quite groggy. It's all quite foggy. My mind really doesn't get going to the first cup of coffee. Fine. What then after the first cup of coffee? What starts to fill up your thinking when your mind starts getting revved up? Well, you say, the to-do list. You start thinking, this morning I have to do this and this, and if I have enough time, then I'm going to squeeze in that, and this afternoon I have to get around to doing that and that because that's been on the list for far too long already, and hopefully I can get it all done by supper time, but if not, maybe I have to do some more after supper. Yet the whole to-do list starts to fill up your mind. Yes, but what about the who-do list? Now I know that's terrible grammar. But instead of the all-familiar to-do list, what about the who do, or better said, for whom are you doing list? And even though your to-do list may be very long, your who-do list, for whom list, is very short. It's one name. Jesus Christ. Everything that you do, it's all for him. And you couldn't imagine a better master in all the worlds to work for, to be a bond servant of. Would you like to work for someone who's patient? Someone who has understanding for the fact that you don't always get it right and you make mistakes you will find no more patient master in all of heaven and earth than Jesus Christ, the patient one. Do you want to work for someone who has compassion, who understands that you have your limits? There's only so much you can accomplish. You too are weak. There's no more compassionate master than Jesus Christ. Do you want, brothers and sisters, whoever you are, young, old, male, female, do you want to work for someone who gives your daily effort a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, so that it is not all vanity, futility? Well, 
there can be no one who gives a greater sense of meaning and purpose to every single thing you do throughout the day than Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit is unfolding when he goes on to say, Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. Come back to that in just a moment. With a sincere heart, as you would Christ. You see, what the Spirit is teaching us here is that in whatever you do, you're serving Christ and to serve the King of Kings, to serve the Lord of Lords, to serve the great risen Savior. That is meaningful. That is purposeful. Because there could be no one greater that you could work for each day. But then what about that fear and trembling? Does this mean that we need to go to work scared? Shaking? Trembling, as it were, in our shoes? In our work boots? Brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul also uses this same phrase in the next letter. And it's helpful if you just turn over a page or two in Philippians chapter 2. There the Apostle Paul, in a different context to be sure, but he uses exactly the same words. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Fear here, along with trembling, is the deepest sense of awe respect that deep sense of awe and respect that can leave you almost dumbfounded that could send a shiver a trembling down your spine because just as it is God no one less than God who is at work in you and that should give you the deepest sense of awe respect and trembling, so when you go about your daily work and you're getting the meal ready and you're sorting another load of laundry and you're going off and filling out another work order, another hour on the assembly line, another hour of teaching in front of the class or working on assignments, but in all of that very common, familiar things, we're working for the Son of God? This is amazing, brothers and sisters. This is awe-inspiring. Especially when you consider how you became a bondservant of Christ. And that's something that has been revealed back in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. For it was not by chance... 
It was not by happenstance that you became a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, In him, the beloved Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Redemption is the price by which normally a slave is set free. But now for the blood, the precious, precious, invaluable blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, you have been set free from what otherwise would have been a life of being a bondservant of sin and a bondservant of Satan. Certainly harsh, harsh masters. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, you've been set free, not to serve yourself, which would just put you back in the same problem, but to serve this patient, compassionate, most meaningful master, Jesus Christ. And the master gave his own life so that you could get up in the morning and work with that glorious perspective. Well, that, brothers and sisters, should get us up and going with fear, deep sense of awe that could even send a shiver down your spine. And this applies for workers as well as it does for those who are in authority, supervisors, bosses, whatever title we give them today. But notice that even though the way it works out in society, there may be many differences between bondservants and masters, those who are working and those who are supervising. In view of the fact that we're all working for Jesus Christ, there's a whole lot the same as well. And specifically, the Holy Spirit reminds each and every one here in some type of supervisory, boss type of capacity. Remember, you may have this whole group of people reporting to you, but you have to report to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's your master. Remember that when you work out your supervisory duties. Let that also give you joy. Because being a supervisor, being a boss is not always easy. But you too work for the greatest, most compassionate, patient master in all the world. And so then, do it also from the heart. You know, that's not always easy. Go to, the, go to work with the right mentality, but still sometimes you say, my heart's not in it. And if your heart's not in it, your supervisor or your boss probably knows it as well. Brothers and sisters, I ask you, just as the question was, what fills your mind when you get up in the morning? What fills your heart when you get up in the morning? Because if your heart is full of the burdens 
of all this work that has to be done, maybe work that's not always so exciting or nice to do, if your heart is filled with the to-do list, well, some days it may be up, some days it may be down. But don't be surprised if your heart is heavy some days. Or if if your heart is all filled up with thoughts about the people, the people that you have to work for, the people that you have to supervise, the people who are your customers, the people who are your suppliers. If your heart is all filled up with the people for whom you're sweating, and some of those people aren't so nice and they're not so thankful either, well, some days maybe not so bad, but don't be surprised if your heart is heavy. Or if your heart is all filled with the paycheck. No, it's not nice, but the end of two weeks, there it is in my bank account again. If that's what drives your heart. The Word of God, Ecclesiastes 5, says this. Whoever loves money, never, ever has money enough. It may drive you for a while, but it won't satisfy for the long term. Notice what Scripture puts in our hearts. Better said, who Scripture puts in our heart. Verse 6 speaks about the heart. Back up a couple of words. Who's there? God. A little while later, sorry, a little earlier in verse 5, the heart is mentioned again. And who's next? A few words later, Christ. You see, brothers and sisters, when you wake up in the morning and what fills your heart is not the amount of work, not the sometimes frustrating people, and not that paycheck which just disappears so quickly anyways, but when your heart is filled with God, and Christ, through the working of, your whole, of the Holy Spirit, then you can indeed put your heart and your soul into it. Working also with a sincere heart. That means not a heart that just puts on a nice outward facade. Yes, I'm doing my task, and yes, I'm happy to be here, but really on the inside, you loathe it. No, not as just people pleasers, but as bondservants of Jesus Christ. And then you go to work with a sincere heart, not this double, one thing on the outside, another thing on the inside, but from the inside out. You work with zeal, you work with joy. And you work with your hands, you work with your mind, you work with your voice, whatever you all need to do, but you do it, brothers and sisters, also with a view to what's coming. You see, when the Apostle Paul addresses the bondservants, there are a lot of things that they're going to be doing You see that in a number of verses. For instance, verse 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, servants are busy people. 
So are masters. Masters do the same to them. Masters also using their voice, being careful not to threaten. But all of this is done with a view to the fact that something is coming. Verse 8. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this week Monday, this week Tuesday, you're doing it in and around the house, the office, the job site, the factory, wherever you're doing it, you're looking forward. Knowing that this he will receive back from the Lord. And masters too. Organizing, making sure everyone has enough work to do, making sure that they do it well. But they also know there's a master in heaven and one day they have to give the big report to him. You see, there is in all of this daily labor something which is going forward. And do you know, brothers and sisters, ultimately what that is? For on the great day of reckoning, the great day of reporting, when all of the bondservants of Jesus Christ, whether slaves or free or masters, whether employees or employers, whether mums or dads or students, doesn't matter. When all of those bond servants stand before Jesus Christ, and the Lord Jesus Christ presents the reward. You know what it is? It's a totally new heaven, a new earth. It's a new Jerusalem. And it's beautiful. It's studded with gems, it's paved with gold, <clears throat> and even better than that, it's free of suffering, pain, and death. And that whole glorious reward, you can read about it, Revelation 21 and 22, it's a gift of grace. It's not something that any one of us is going to earn by being so diligent Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, getting the whole to-do list done. No. Every day you're working. And in the end, the reward is entirely of grace, based upon the work, not of you, but the atoning work of Jesus Christ, your Master. And that, brothers and sisters, is a very good way. That, brothers and sisters, is a very encouraging way to get up in the morning and start going through that to-do list knowing that the who-do list is Jesus Christ who rewards us by grace. Amen.